friends, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show. I'm Gabrielle, and I'm very happy that you are here. Each week, I share kind words like honey to spread his love and live inspired. I have guests, and we talk about topics that we face every day, like relationships, faith, confidence, calling, and how to live every bit of our lives fully inspired. Yo, hello friends. Welcome to the Inspiring Honey podcast today. I hope that you have been having an amazing week and I hope that you're having an amazing Monday. I'm just so excited to be able to sit down and chat with you today and I'm even more excited because today's podcast episode is so good. There is so much biblical truth. There are so many golden nuggets of facts and information to take the heart and convict you. And there's a lot of different information and conversation that can help equip you and give you tools that you might need for a conversation you're having in your life today, or you might need to equip you for in the future. So today's topic is very controversial. It is a hot button topic. I think that's the, the phrase that they use, but it is talking about pro-life. As a believer, that is something that is so important. We can't be passive on this issue. We can't sit back and be indecisive. We are called to action and we are called to live what God is telling us to live and live how he's telling us to live. On today's episode, Caroline and I dive deep. We talk about all the hard things and all the different things that could possibly come up in a conversation because I know that I wanted to just be able to give you guys tools to help equip you for conversations you might be having or you might have in the future and just Bible verses to help steer you in the right direction and just convict you of God's truth and align everything that's said today with biblical truth and what the Bible truly says. Caroline is a sweet friend of mine. She's on today's podcast episode and she is such an amazing heart for the Lord. But before we get into asking any questions and diving deep in this topic, I want to tell you a little bit more about Caroline. So Caroline is a 21-year-old Hillsong college student who lives in Sydney, Australia. Originally, she's from the U.S., and she's an Enneagram 8. She's super passionate about all things justice, and Caroline is also a part-time youth pastor in Australia. She feels so called to be in preaching, and she loves adventure, chocolate, ice cream, which, I mean, who doesn't? And she spends most of her free time on the beach. So let's welcome Caroline onto the show today. I'm super, super excited to have her. And my first question, Caroline, is I want you to tell me about you. Tell me about who you are, where you're from, what your major is in college right now. This is always the hardest question. It's so funny because it's the simplest question. Oh, tell me about yourself. But it ends up being so difficult because you have no idea where to start because you are you. So it's funny to like dictate that and put it into words. But I am originally from America, from Pennsylvania. I grew up there, and so I am for sure an American girl through and through. I love the East Coast, and I've come to love it so much more after I left, which is really crazy. But now I live in Sydney, Australia, which has been the greatest adventure of my life. I love it. It's so beautiful here. The weather, the beaches are my favorite. I'm such a beach girl. So that's been so great to finally be on the coast as opposed to in landlocked Pennsylvania. 
but then I go to Hillsong College, so I get to learn there, serve there, attend the church, and be an integral part of everything they do, and being under the leadership of Pastors Brian and Bobby Houston is absolutely next level. The encouragement that's here is unlike anything I've ever experienced. There's such a beautiful culture. It, I honestly would believe that it, Hillsong Church looks so much like the kingdom of God and so much like heaven. It's just completely changed my life being here. And I'm really, really grateful for the time I've had here already. I'm in my second year and I'm studying pastoral leadership, which is great. So I have a lot of leadership classes, a lot of pastoral classes, Bible classes, that sort of thing. But while I'm doing that, I also have had the amazing opportunity to be the youth pastor at a local church that's not Hillsong Church. It's just like 30 minutes away. And so I serve at Hillsong and on Sundays throughout the week, and I'm there for classes all day. And then I do also work at this local church as a youth pastor and getting to be with those students has been so beautiful. They are the greatest people. I love it. They've really given me so much of their heart and I've been just in awe of what I've learned there and how I've grown and just the amazing interactions I've had with people and with God. So I'm really loving life right now. It's so amazing. God is so good and I'm really, really grateful. You literally have the sweetest heart. I love hearing your passion for school and your passion for people and generally your love of people. Um, And that really shines through everything that you do. Uh, But my second question is something that I ask everybody. And it's what truly inspires you every day. Like what truly inspires you to be who you are? My favorite thing that inspires me every day. I don't want to be cliche. That's the thing. But I feel like my answer is going to be cliche anyway. But I love to preach. I feel like that's the calling that God has on my life. I was born to speak, to communicate. And so I love all things, communication, speaking, whether it's listening to someone else that really inspires me. I love listening to podcasts. Christine Kane is my biggest inspiration. I want to be so much like her. Um, I love listening to Stephen Furtick. And then there's a bunch of people in my life who are incredible communicators who I love to get around and be able to glean from. And then, to be honest, I love to articulate the word of God on my own. I think that's where I draw a lot of my inspiration from is I will just do my devotions in the morning, open my Bible and then get the word of God in me. So more than just read it, I actually take a second to digest it and speak it out of my mouth and write it down with my own hand in my own handwriting. And that's really where I get so much content, but also just so much of what fills me is just the word of God. And I don't know who I would be or where I would be without the word of God, either straight from the Bible or spoken to me through someone else who might be speaking a sermon. But yeah, I would say that's probably what gets me every day at some point during the day, whether it's during my devotional time when I'm reading the word of God, or maybe I'm writing something of my own or listening to a podcast while I go on a run, just that, oh, it gets me. I love it so much. 
relate to that so much because I feel so similar. I always have felt um, the calling on my life to share God's word and to just be out there talking to people and preaching to people and leading people closer to Christ. And I also think there's so much value in just reading God's word every single day, listening to other people who are spiritually sound and giving biblical advice. And there's also so much power in what you said, speaking God's word over our life, speaking Bible verses over our lives, writing them down and just allowing him to be our greatest inspiration. You have such a great handle and such a great foundation in that. Um, But I want to just hop into what we're really going to talk about today. And first, before we really get into it, I just want you to talk about how you became super passionate about being a pro-life activist and standing up for the rights of millions of unborn babies. So to be completely honest, I cannot pinpoint my pro-life passion to one specific moment. I didn't necessarily have an instance where I heard a story or a statistic or a testimony or anything that piqued my interest, and that was the moment. It wasn't really like that. I think a lot of it has to do with my wiring. I'm an Enneagram 8. I don't know if anybody else out there is an Enneagram 8. Shout out to all the 8s. Woo! But... One of the huge factors that underlies my entire life is just this push for justice and my heart beats for justice. And so my pro-life leaning comes straight from that because everything I do is just from a mindset and a framework of justice. That's I see the world through a lens of just and unjust and I look at abortion and it's just the ultimate injustice. And so since I was pretty young, I've been really in tune with that part of myself, and it's caused me to be really passionate about issues. I love the pro-life cause, that, um, human trafficking. I'm also involved with A21 here in Sydney, which is great. And then I also have a huge heart for refugees because of work I got to do with A21 in Greece, in refugee camps there, and all of those issues, you really see how they blend together. There's no specific place where one justice issue begins and another ends. Injustice is a holistic problem, and I'm passionate about the holistic problem and seeing a holistic issue or seeing a holistic solution come to this issue. And so pro-life has just been something that's been ingrained in me. Luckily, my mom really taught me from a young age the value of life, the value of my life, and then the value of a woman, the value of a child. And I was able to attend the March for Life a few consecutive years in Washington, D.C., and that was a really eye-opening experience. And it was really encouraging to just see how many people agree with the pro-life movement, how many people are passionate about protecting the rights of the unborn, because it feels like everyone's against the pro-life movement and everyone is pro-abortion and all these things. And you don't really hear much from the pro-life movement. And if you do, it seems like a minority. But in that moment, it's really just a powerful declaration of the rights and the beauty of life and how God designed each of us. Wow, I have to say, I just love the perspective you're able to bring because of the experiences you've had. Um, like you said, working with refugees and what your mom has taught you has really shaped your view on 
um, justice as a whole and looking at it from that approach, it's super amazing to hear. And I know personally, I've always been pro-life, but after going through pregnancy and having my own son, I became so much more passionate about it um, and even more convicted about it because I started to understand that even 22 days after conception, which is typically around the time that people find out they're pregnant, which is five and a half, six weeks, the heart is already beating. God has designed pregnancy so perfectly um, that it just blows my mind. And going through pregnancy has helped me just grow so much closer to the Lord and just realize even more deeply how precious life is. I know being a cancer survivor, life has always just been so precious to me, but being a mother now, even more so. And I just want whoever is listening to this right now to know that your life has so much value and that you matter. And just like Carolyn said, life is so, so, so valuable. And the life of the babies are so valuable. God has ordained them to be part of our life and part of our world. And it's so important as believers to not be passive on these issues or just kind of like take a back seat and say, oh, well, I'm not, I, I don't really know. Well, we have to look at what the Bible says and what the Bible is telling us. So I, I kind of want to go into the next question. And it is, what would you say, Caroline, to the people that argue and say that pro-life is just trying to take rights away from women and it's going to end up ultimately leading to unsafe abortions? What do you get to say back to those people? Like, what are some things and tools that can equip us to have these conversations? You know what? I will be the first person to tell you that this problem is complex. There's not a band-aid solution. There's not just a, here, this will fix it, because if there was, we wouldn't still be talking about it. It is a very complex problem, and it's going to require a complex solution, and I think a big part of it is culture, and it's really, really difficult to change culture, because our world has for so long bought into the culture of convenience. I think that the pro-life dilemma has less to do with the sanctity and value of life and more to do with our modern culture. I think that for a lot of women, it becomes a question of convenience. And I'm not saying that it's always an easy, oh, this isn't the right time. No, but I think that because we're so used to making decisions that benefit us and that are solely based on our own interests, it's hard for a woman or a family when they're faced with an unplanned pregnancy to think beyond themselves. And I don't think that they're necessarily trying to be malicious or that they have set out with this evil intention. I think that it's just a mindset that's different. And one of the biggest things that the pro-life movement can seek to do is to change people's mindsets. Because if you can change someone's mindset, you'll be able to change their actions. But if you change someone's actions without changing their mindsets, they're going to rebel. I You've heard so many times people say that law without love just leads to rebellion. So what we need is we need to love people who are facing unplanned pregnancy 
We need to love women who have made a decision to abort one of their children. We need to love people on every single side of the issue. And we need to seek to educate everyone so that everybody has all the facts. Because I think some people have some of the facts. But the vast majority of Americans and individuals, they don't actually know what they stand for or they have made a decision for what they stand for without knowing the actual ramifications and they don't have all the facts. And so I think if we can change a mindset and work to just push value and explain and just expose people to the reality that this is life that we're talking about. This isn't science. This isn't, it is science, but it's more than science. There's a soul tied to that body. And I think that once we can grasp that as a culture, things will change. And I think one of the biggest ways that we go about implementing that mindset shift is through stories. I think people need to hear stories. I think they need to put a face to the statistic because when you hear about it, and someone tells you it's a clump of cells, in your mind you envision a clump of cells. But if we can change our language and talk about it and refer to this life as a human, as a baby, that changes things. Because everybody loves babies. Nobody walks around in their right mind and thinks it's okay to kill a baby. You could ask people all over the street in Times Square, hey, do you think it would be okay to kill a newborn baby? And nobody's going to say yes. Because the human race is not looking to decimate the next generation. That's not what the problem is. It's an awareness and an understanding of the inherent truth that that is actually life. And so I think if we can share and highlight stories of women who have seen victory through an unplanned pregnancy or who have seen heartbreak but overcome it, I think that would put a face to the fact a face to the statistic, and then that would change things for people and would allow us to move forward and see more and more lives saved. I 100% agree with everything you said. Um, my husband and I, uh, my then boyfriend at the time, my husband was my boyfriend at the time, when we faced an unplanned pregnancy, that was one of the most challenging seasons of my life um, because of the way that a lot of people treated us and a lot of different things that transpired but in the mess and the pain God was able to work so so much and I know that having a child at 20 and 19 wasn't part of mine and my husband's plan that we thought but it was part of God's plan for our life and part of what God knew was best for us and our child has just been the biggest blessing he is just so amazing and he is just proof of God's redemption every single day during that time that we walked through our old church we were really shunned from a lot of people there is a lot of pain and hurt and this runs so deep in my testimony I share this a lot uh, with my followers and throughout my website but also with all the pain and the people shunning us and people 
not agreeing and turning their back on us, we had a lot of people start to show the love of Christ to us. We started going to a new church where people were loving on us and praying for us and actually showed a reaction that lined up with how Jesus would want us to be. And during that time, I was already a believer, but I was able to walk through redemption and be baptized and just be so much more on fire for Jesus and just understand how to act like Jesus would and how to love people better because like you said we need to be loving people in these situations we need to not just give them law but give them law and love that we need to educate people so that they know that it's so much more than science and it's it's deep it's very deep it goes into our culture and like you said there is no exact band-aid there's no perfect solution It is a choice and it makes us think a lot beyond ourselves because I know from going from being a college freshman to being a wife and a mother was a huge adjustment. Once you become a parent, your life isn't about you. It's about taking care of this tiny human. And that's one of the biggest blessings ever. I know that I have gotten so many DMs on my um, Instagram and also a lot of emails from my website after I started sharing my testimony started sharing how God worked through our own planned pregnancy, which was planned by God and how God kind of ordained everything. And um, a lot of girls have reached out to me in the same situation. So these people are not alone. And it's just so important for us to approach it with love and to just let people know the facts and know that they're still loved and there's redemption and God loves you no matter what. And that you can be able to walk through this and God will take ashes and make beauty out of them. I just love everything that you've said and that it is a mindset change that you can't just stop people's actions. You need to educate them and attack the heart issue because what it comes down to is a heart issue and maybe just not having all the facts like you said. But Caroline, what are some Bible verses that you know to encourage women that are in a tough situation and they're thinking about abortion or worried about how an unplanned pregnancy is just going to change their lives. There's so much fear and worry and anxiety that surrounds an unplanned pregnancy. Whether a mother decides to keep her baby or not, it's a really, really stressful situation to be faced with an unplanned pregnancy. And 100% I understand that that would be the craziest thing but I also think that the fact that we believe that anything is truly planned is funny our culture we so desire to be in control and we're not at the end of the day and I think that could be really encouraging for a woman facing an unplanned pregnancy is she might be facing an unplanned pregnancy but there are millions of people across the world at that very same moment facing something unplanned as well maybe an unplanned job loss or an unplanned death in the family so many things come up that are unplanned maybe your car breaks down now you have an incredible car payment that seems insurmountable there's so many things in our lives that are unplanned and an unplanned pregnancy although it is a child and that's a really big deal to raise a new human being honestly all of life is unplanned and all of life just hits us in the face and I think about so many stories in the bible of 
women who just face unplanned situations. We look at the story of Ruth. Did she ever think that she would be in that situation? Naomi and Ruth, oh my goodness, that was completely unplanned. And there was so much hurt and pain, but there was so much beauty that came from the ashes. And we look at Hagar, who also faced an unplanned pregnancy. She didn't want to have Abraham's baby. And she ended up on the run in the desert. And she has this newborn baby. And she's crying out to God because she doesn't want to see him die of thirst in a desert. And she's just on her knees. But in that moment of unplanned, raw, radical desperation, she meets Jesus like never before. And she encounters God in a way that she never could have planned. So I think the unplanned sets us up for encounters with God that we could never plan. And when God shows up in these ways, it is miraculous and he moves and it changes everything. And Hagar, in this situation, she actually comes to know a new facet of God. She names him something. God hears her prayer. He sees her situation and she looks at God and she calls him El Royai. She calls him the God who sees. This woman facing an unplanned pregnancy in an unplanned situation has such a moment with the Savior, with the Creator, with God, that she sees a new part of his character that nobody else has put words to before. And she gets to be the one who names God El Royai. And thousands of years later, People refer to God as El Royai. People use that that name to cry out and relate to God and understand him better. And it was an unplanned situation that birthed something that changed the world. And I would encourage women to look at their pregnancies in that way and through that lens of just expectancy, expectancy for God to move. And I think that even if you're not facing an unplanned pregnancy, I would encourage you to take the same thing to heart because we're all facing unplanned things all the time. Things come up. Think about the coronavirus. None of us planned for that. And yet I believe with such unwavering faith that something beautiful is going to come and that this season is going to become a pivotal one and that there is going to be turnaround and that God is going to move and there will be revival on the earth like never before. And God loves to show up where his people expect him. So if something's unplanned, I want to encourage all of us to just lean in to the uncertainty because we know that God's going to be there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he's so good. He's so good. Amen, girl. God is so, so good. I know that when I worked, walked through my unplanned pregnancy is really when I got to see God in a whole new light. Having gone through cancer and um, going through the pain of that and losing people in my life and being told that I wasn't going to make it was one extent of my faith. But then walking through an unplanned pregnancy was just a huge radical awakening in my heart and in my spirit and just led me closer to Jesus and has given me a deeper faith that 
I didn't even know possible. And that story really resonates with me because God is a God that sees. And I truly know that um, while my husband and I walked through our own planned pregnancy, God brought the most amazing people into our lives. He brought us to a amazing church with an amazing community. And he gave us a pastor who had walked through the same thing with his wife 15 years prior. God is a God that sees and he knows exactly what we need. So amen to that. Amen that he's working through the coronavirus and all the pain and all the uncertainty. And amen that in the unplanned is where he's able to set us up and set us closer to him. Because sometimes when things go crazy, we have nowhere else to turn but God. When things seem like they're so difficult, the only place we have to run is his arms. And what a glorious, beautiful gift it is. So instead of looking at it like, oh no, what am I going to do now? Look at it. Oh no, what is God going to do now? What is God going to do through Corona? How is he going to help people? How am I going to be able to do what he wants me to do and what he hopes for my life? And when I was walking through my unplanned pregnancy, uh, one Bible verse that was shared with me from a pastor's wife who had gone through something very similar, she prayed over this verse and this got her through her unplanned pregnancy and she gave it to me and I prayed over it and to this day it just it just means so much to me and it's Psalms 51 and it just talks about how our transgressions and our sins before us and it it just walks through the whole redemption process Um, and it is just so amazing but moving on to the next question and I just want to know like how you feel like as believers we know that God tells us every single child was specifically knit in their mother's womb and he knows that their innermost being he knows everything about them so how do we respond what do we say like when somebody comes at you and says, it's just cells, what do you say back to that? I think to someone with this argument that, oh, it's just cells. Honestly, there's so much science that tells us how early a baby's heart begins to beat, how early they begin to feel pain, how early we begin to see their nails form, their fingernails, just the little intricacies and details. They become so evident so early on. So honestly, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around this argument. I don't get it. I don't get how despite the science and despite the idea that that clump of cells, quote unquote, can feel pain and has fingernails. I don't know how you still call that a clump of cells. I think that that's language that we need to set out to change because I actually don't even think it's scientifically accurate. I think that it has been something used as a tool of manipulation and I would love to see that be changed and be altered and us to use terms that are honoring and more truthful and relevant to the reality of what's going on. But yeah, I do want to reiterate that God does say that we are knit together in our mother's womb and he knew we were coming before the foundations of the earth were laid. And an unplanned pregnancy to one woman was not unplanned to God. God knew. And God had a purpose for that pregnancy and God had a purpose for that child. 
And I just believe in that so fiercely. And I would love for all of us to just grasp that because it really has changed everything for me and my thinking beyond just pro-life. Knowing that God is not surprised by anything is so comforting. Sometimes when I get all frazzled and upset when things don't go as planned or go my way, like I said, I'm an Enneagram 8, so I hate when things are in my control or don't go according to my plan. I found such peace in knowing, you know what? God actually knew this was going to happen. Like my plan might have changed, but God's didn't. Like God knew this all along. God knew before the foundations of the earth were laid. God knew what babies were going to be born on what days, and he loved them each equally. It's just so, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. Yes, friend, I agree with you so much. It It isn't scientifically accurate because I know from your first appointment that you go, that you say, oh, I'm pregnant. You get to hear the baby's heartbeat after five and a half, six weeks. And that is just so incredible. You get to see the baby in your womb. And then a few weeks later, you get to start to feel them move. And it is just incredible. I, I agree with you. I love to see the rhetoric change and to just see that manipulation tool just fall and people be able to hear the truth. And what a great reminder it is that there's so much in our life that's unplanned. But God's going to use all of that for his glory and for his greatness. He is just such a good God, and he is always in control no matter what we face. How ignorant or prideful would we be to believe that we're in control because we're not. God is. So as believers, how do we start stepping up and speaking out and talking about life. What are some tangible things that each of us are able to do from our homes and our schools and our churches? Oh my gosh, I love that you brought this up because this is just such a practical point, such a practical note for everyone to understand. And I just want people to know that they're not alone. They're not alone. And you aren't going to be the only person who sees life the way that you do. You're not going to be the only person who's pro-life. And even if you are, I want to encourage you that you're not wrong. I think sometimes when everybody else seems to feel one way, we get shy and we get scared and we begin to doubt ourselves. And I just want to free you to not feel that way at all and to know that you do have a responsibility to share the truth. And you don't have to be weird, like for real. I think sharing our opinions has such a weird connotation now because we think about like old ladies on Facebook and angry people on social media and whatever. And you don't have to be like that. Honestly, you can be really subtle, but really profound and really impactful. I would just encourage you first and foremost to live a life that exemplifies what you're saying you stand for. So if you stand for life and if you say, oh, I'm pro-life, what have you done to serve the women in your community? Maybe look up a pregnancy center that's local to you and see how you can get involved. Growing up, my church used to fill baby bottles with coins each spring and be able to bless the local pregnancy 
center that way. And I went a few times and was able to volunteer there and interact with what happens. And it's just really eye opening. And I would encourage you to get involved in all facets of the pro-life movement, because if we're pro-life, we're not just pro-birth. We are pro-life. So see what other avenues of the world you can begin to serve life on a greater scale, whether it's a food bank or maybe a homeless shelter that you can go. Or if you have a neighbor who just is lonely or hurting or anything, there's so many practical ways to get involved. I would challenge you that even if it's not this anti-abortion topic that you're passionate about, I would find something that you're passionate about within the realm of humanity and justice and life and just throw yourself into that. Get to know organizations that are on the front lines and support them financially and prayerfully and see if you can volunteer or get involved. You can share their resources on your social media so you don't have to come up with your own. So easy nowadays, you can just retweet something or add it to your story, someone else's post on Instagram. And that's such an easy way And it almost takes the pressure off of you because it's not necessarily like, oh, I wrote this. I said this. I came up with this content. It's more like, oh, I support what this organization is doing. And sometimes that makes it easier. But I'd also just say, like, if you have a burning passion and you want to make a post or march in the March for Life, go do those things and don't be afraid. Stand up for what you believe in because we know that that's what God has called us to do and he's equipped us to do it and Jesus himself did that. So, yeah. Amen. I love all those ideas. I feel like there's so much value in it. And like you said, it's super easy to just share a post online, find organizations that you agree with their beliefs and share it. That is so powerful. And also, too, don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in because that is really cool. And we are called to be part of the world, but not to be like it. We are supposed to be lights in the world, and we are supposed to be an example for others to follow. Um, I was literally just reading this morning in Matthew where it talks about that we are the light of the world, and we cannot hide that lamp or that light under a pot that we need to allow that light to flow into the city so being there for people sharing on social media and like Carolyn said that is such an amazing idea I love what you said about just being pro-life in all aspects of our lives going to neighbors houses going to somebody that might be lonely going to a food kitchen that is just so amazing ways to help and be pro-life and we're so commanded to be out there and have an outreach, and to share the gospel. So what are some practical ways, Caroline, that we can reach out to the front lines of the people working in the clinics, the men who are the fathers of these babies, and the mothers who are making the decisions for the unborn children? How do we go about and approach them? And what do we even do for them? even when we don't agree with a choice that they might think about making or that they have already made. Like in any situation or any sort of problem we're facing, I really believe that the best response is prayer. I think that if this is an issue that really touches your heart, it should affect your prayer life. And then what you're passionate about should be reflected in your prayer life. So if you have a passion for pro-life, if you see these women and your heart is broken for them, you should pray for them like nobody else. And I just want to 
challenge us to really commit this to prayer because a lot of us won't ever come face to face with women who are experiencing an unplanned pregnancy or who are thinking about having an abortion. It's not very natural for those kind of things to come up in conversation or we might not find ourselves working in a field where we commonly encounter these women and I'm not sure that it would be appropriate to seek them out. I think that that is something that the Holy Spirit is dealing with on the inside of them and it is our job to love them and have such grace for them no matter what decision they make because it's not our place to make a decision. It's just our place to display love. And so I think that we all need to rebuke anger. We can be angry at the enemy and his plan for stealing the lives of the unborn, but we can't be angry at God's children. We can be frustrated maybe, but we need to just give them such love because this is an incredibly psychological situation for them. They're going to walk out the ramifications of this for years. And so to add anything to their trauma is just not a good idea. So we need to just be constant sources of love and peace and offer them hope and encouragement. I really think that it would be a wise decision if you want to be involved more practically to research a local pregnancy center and then see what needs they have there. It might just be spending time with the women and loving on them. It might be to come in and file papers or to help them knit things for the babies that are born. I don't know what it would be, but I think that it's always best to serve your local community right where you are. And then the relationships you make are going to be longer lasting because you're able to actually do life with those people because you live in such a close proximity. But prayer, it just honestly comes back to prayer. I want all of us to just pray for this issue and throw our hearts into this and to really speak the word of God over these women, whether it's face to face or it's just in our prayers. I think there are different verses that we could cling to and proclaim over the issue as we pray. And that would strengthen our prayers as it always does. Mm, Yes, I 100% agree. We definitely need to have this in our prayer life. Whatever we're passionate about needs to be part of our prayer life. And also, too, we need to start approaching things with a loving heart, with a kind heart. I have always been a strong believer that you're going to catch more flies with honey than you are vinegar. And the Bible specifically calls us to act in love. Jesus doesn't want us to be horrible and mean and tear other people down. That's not what the gospel says at all. We're all broken. We're all sinners. And every sin is equal. I know that when I walked through my unplanned pregnancy, one thing that was super hard was seeing people who we were friends with, like all of a sudden turn their backs on us and gossip about us. And just how we were treated was so painful. And thankfully, we were loved by another church and taken in by another church and um god was able to work through other people because thankfully we had such a love for jesus and such a relationship with him because i know a lot of girls who can be turned off by that and could be turned off to faith because of how people can act and i think that that's a huge thing in society that when we act out in anger and aggression it doesn't always reflect the message of Jesus because that's not what Jesus would want us to do. And that ends up 
turning more people against the mission because they don't understand the heart of it and they just see people acting like radically. And I think it's really important to know that God can always forgive once somebody repents. So if somebody is listening to this episode today and had an abortion and made that tough decision and they're listening today and they don't know what to do, what would you say to her? Over and over again, I am just blown away by the strength of women who have endured abortions. It's something that affects every part of you. It affects your future. It affects your present. It affects your body, your mind, your spirit. There are horrifying statistics about the suicide rates in women who have gone through with an abortion and then the depression, anxiety that they face following the decision. And so any woman who has walked through that, my gosh, you are strong. And God sees you as such. He doesn't look at you and see your quote-unquote sin. He doesn't look at you and see a decision you've made. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ. He just sees you. He just sees you whole and loved. That's all he sees. And so I want all of us to look at these women the same way, just like Jesus looks at them with just grace and love. And that's how we see him regard people in the Bible over and over again. He didn't come in to the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save us to save the world. And I just want to extend that to a woman I would meet who has walked through this. I want to extend the saving power of Jesus Christ, the peace that there is in his name, the transformation that is readily available to them. But yeah, I just would want them to feel that I can't possibly understand all of it because I've not been in that situation myself, but I understand enough that goes into an abortion, that the weight of it's not lost on me. And you are truly brave and strong, and God has so much purpose for you beyond this. And he's going to use this, turn it into a testimony for your good and for his glory. That's what he always does. So it would be no different for your story because that's who God is. Wow, that is so powerful. I 100% agree with you that we just need to just be approaching this with love and grace and kindness because that is what God does. God approaches everything with a loving heart. And actually, maybe like three or four weeks ago in church, we had a man come in and he is a businessman, but he's really big in all the local churches in my area. Um, And he is also a huge advocate at Um, a women's center locally. Now, he is a believer. Him and his wife have been together since they were in high school, and they shared a testimony that they actually aborted their first child, and they carried that around with them for years. And it wasn't until years later after um, they had gotten married and had kids of their own that they shared it at a church retreat. And they had grown up in the church, and they just never felt comfortable going to anyone. They were so ashamed and so guilty, and they were so taken back because when they shared what they had done with the abortion years prior, they were greeted with so much love 
and so much grace, and now they go around in churches in our area and share their testimonies and tell people about God's redemption and God's love, and I just think that is so powerful and so beautiful, and like you said, God can use everything for his good, and he does. We just have to allow him to work in it and just to move forward. And I think it's really important to know that God can always forgive and that his his love is so much greater than anything. So what do you want uh, someone listening to this podcast today to walk away carrying on their heart? What do you want them to be convicted of? Convicted is such a strong word, but I love it. It's such an honest word and a good word. And I actually hear it a lot at Bible college when someone will preach a really great message of like, oh, we're convicted. But sometimes it hurts so good. I really myself feel convicted by even answering these questions with you. Um, I feel convicted to be better at loving and to be more steadfast in my prayer for the issue. I think that pro-life can't just be a label we put on ourselves. It needs to be a lifestyle that we live out in every waking moment, whether it's just how we regard our neighbors or how we think about others or how we strategically word the things we post that are promoting pro-life. I feel convicted to lead with love more and pray more and also to stay educated I think that's a big thing too. Sometimes we'll open our mouths before we know all the facts. And so I would challenge myself and anyone who's listening today to dive in to research and research different sides of the fence. Take anything from people who are pro-life and people who are okay with abortion. Make sure you're gleaning information and statistics from everywhere you can so that you can have a more complete holistic picture that's unbiased. And then from there, you can make the right distinctions. I think that's a really important practical thing that we can all do. And when we couple education with prayer and love, I truly believe that we could change this issue and that through the help of Jesus Christ, we can change the world. So I'm really excited. Once again, I love that girl. You share so much wisdom and that is just so powerful. Through the love of Jesus and prayer and education, we are going to be able to change the world and change people's heart. Well, God's going to be changing people's heart for him. And I know that he is doing that today. And I know that he's working through you. So where can somebody listening to this podcast find you online and support you and everything that you're doing? 